This is the EPLOG audio experience. Welcome to the fifth episode of our podcast series, The Salary Hike Stories, Trends and Insights from Aon's 24th Salary Increase Survey. My name is Anustup and I have with me Zaitul Fernandez, partner, Aon Human Capital Solutions. Great to be back. Zaitul, in the previous episodes, we have double-clicked on the overall pay increase numbers. We have deep-dived into the financial sector and talked about performance management as well. Let's pivot a little to hiring. Uh, what are you hearing about organizations' focus on their hiring plans? Yeah, so it's very easy for us to look at uh, the economy and say, oh, growth numbers are down, uh, salary increase numbers are down. Organizations are probably not going to hire. Uh, okay. But in conversations with clients, that's not at all the case. An overwhelming number of the organizations said that, you know, from a 2020 perspective, they're either looking at growth or they're looking at staying relatively constant. And when we surveyed attrition numbers uh, within the uh, within our clients, we found that the attrition numbers on average are still hovering at around the 16 odd percent mark. So, you know, historically that used to be about 18 odd percent. That's come down to between 15 and 16 odd percent. But that's a fairly substantial portion of the organization. And if you think about um, some of the uh, sectors with the highest attrition, you hear the financial institutions at 23.5. You hear, hear hospitality at about 30, nearly 32 percent. You even hear, uh, you know, the media and electronic print and so on at about 17 and a half odd percent. So a fairly large number at um, above that 16.1 percent mark. Right. Um, so uh, firms are continuing to hire. Uh, we also asked firms, what are the critical or hot skills that you're looking to hire for? And interestingly, uh, we saw responses that we never would have seen even five or even three years ago. So uh, nearly half of the firm said that we are hiring big data analytics roles. Okay. Digital technology roles came in second at about a quarter and uh, product, uh, product design and product management were also similar. Artificial intelligence and machine learning came in at about 15%. And uh, from conversations with clients, you know, two or three years from now, that's going to be probably a higher percentage number. Uh, when we look at uh, where firms are hiring these folk, we are seeing them uh, being put under uh, development centers or under R&D centers that are working on existing data or existing products that the firm might have, um, but they're trying to answer questions around how do we make, make it more efficient, how do we make it more customer-centric, and how do we differentiate ourselves from our other competitors? Sure. You talked about the overall number uh, for attrition being slightly above 16% while there are certain sectors that are as high as 23-24%, which basically means that there would be some sectors that would be significantly lower than the 163 number. So why do you think there is such a huge divide in the, in the attrition numbers mm -hmm. across sectors? Um, it's a combination of um, how the sector is doing and um, the composition of the sector. So if you think about those sectors uh, that have large populations at the lowest level, coupled with those populations uh, having to work in less than favorable conditions, right. those are the sectors that tend to have highest the highest attrition levels. So uh, hospitality and restaurants, working in a restaurant is a pretty strenuous and a pretty demanding job. You have to work sometimes between 7 and 11 o'clock at night, and not everybody can do that uh, over a sustained period of time. So you would see uh, higher attrition in those um, sectors. 
Interestingly, we saw e-commerce and early stage companies at also uh, 23.3%. And um, that's because many of these firms have a relatively smaller base. And many of these firms uh, have grown rapidly over the last few years and therefore have hired people who haven't been very sure whether this is the kind of firm that they want to work in. So, uh, you know, an e-commerce sector always looks very glamorous. I never really worked there. I go there. Some people do well. Some people might not do as well. And so the attrition there uh, tends to be much higher. Also, some of the respondents in this sector were those that um, may have grown much faster than was healthy for them and are now looking at um, answering the question, what's the right size for me? and finding that there's some sections of the population where uh, they probably don't need to hire quite as much. So, uh, you know, uh, that there's some natural attrition that we see in sectors like that that's also driving um, that number up a lot. Other sectors um, that have relatively higher attrition are uh, the real estate sector. Uh, the real estate and infrastructure sector has been struggling a little in um, the last uh, two or three quarters of 2019, and we see heightened attrition numbers um, there as a result of that as well. Sure. We also uh, heard a lot about key talent being defined by organizations mm -hmm. and separate uh, budgets being uh, allocated towards rewarding key talent and ring fencing them. Mm -hmm. So how do you think organizations are defining key talent and uh, how are they experiencing organizational rewards differently than average talent? Sure. So when you think about key talent, um, every organization might have a different way of defining them. But some common themes that emerged is uh, strong performers, those individuals having uh, skills that are niche, um, that are critical to the future of the organization, but are not in uh, are in short supply within the organization just now, and people who have uh, certain soft skills that may be very critical to the organization at that point and are scarce as well. Right. So when we asked organizations what proportion of your organization is defined as key talent, the number came in at about 15% or so. Okay. And that's a fairly good number uh, for you to have. So if you can say that 15% of my population are those that I'm going to take special care of because they are my key talent, that's uh, a good place to be in. Uh, we found that um, average performers, as we talked about in the, in the previous section, could expect a salary increase of about 8.4%. If you contrast that with how much a key performer could expect, that key performer number is at about 13%. So a good five percentage or four and a half percentage points more than um, your average performers. Yeah, depending on whether you look at the 9.1 or the 8.4% uh, right. uh, number. And um, that's a pretty substantial number to be able to offer. That is a number that goes a little way motivating your key talent uh, to do a, a better job. Right. And just to be uh, doubly sure, when you talk about key talent, it is not necessarily the top performing employees always, right? Not at all. Not at all. Some of them will be your top performers, right. but not all your top performers will be classified as key talent. And sometimes your key talent may not be your top performers. Yeah. So when we think about the skills that we talked about, the artificial intelligence, the digital and uh, the analytic skills, there may be a small group of people that may be rated very differently, but together they may still be your key talent because they're working on a very critical proposition within the organization. 
Right, which which basically means that if there is a key talent who is also a top performer, then mm-hmm. that talent really gets rewarded handsomely. Absolutely. Yes. Sure. We discussed a bit about the attrition numbers going down uh, if you if you look at a longer horizon of time. Mm-hmm. Um, what are organizations really doing differently now to uh, really retain their key talent and uh, ring fence them? Okay. So uh, we asked two sets of questions. Uh, one is, why do people leave you? So what are your top attrition drivers? And the second was, what are your top retention drivers? So what are you okay. as an employer doing to help um, or to help convince them to stay back. Um, top attrition drivers were limited growth opportunities, external inequity of compensation, um, and things like higher education. So higher education, you can't really do much about. India is a country where people always seek, um, you know, to, uh, to better their educational qualifications. Right. And many organizations have said that uh, we're willing to support you in that so that when people have left, uh, they may not terminate the relationship with the employee and there's always a reason for the employee to come back. The limited growth opportunities and external inequity of compensation, there's, you'll always get someone who's willing to pay you more in, in, in India. Um, but uh, what you can do as a firm is uh, help convey that growth opportunity within the firm to your employees. Right. So uh, when we think about top retention drivers, uh, accelerated career development opportunities and cross-functional mobility are number one and two, where firms are saying, we understand that people here um, care about their careers and want to grow fast. So uh, we're going to identify our key talent and our top performers and help them do that within the firm so they don't have to look elsewhere for opportunities. And we're also going to tell employees that, look, growing upwards may not be um, the only or even the best option for you. Okay. Uh, we have various functions. It helps you become a more well-rounded member of our organization if you have experience in multiple functions. So cross-functional mobility, that is from product management to sales to potentially operations to even maybe finance or uh, strategy uh, might be a better option for you and might better uh, equip you to meet the career goals that you're looking um, to meet in this organization. So uh, an organization that's able to communicate that and to even facilitate that is one um, that has uh, been a little more successful in retaining its employees than its immediate peers. Sure. So we keep hearing about uh, the demographics of the country continuously changing. And uh, as as the millennial population has uh, joined the workforce now, do you think organizations need to do something differently to retain them? And do you think the changing employee preferences are uh, an outcome of that? Yes. So I think there's a lot of research being done on millennials. And we ourselves have done a significant amount of, of, of that. What we need to realize is that uh, millennials uh, have grown up in an environment where many of them have been digital natives. Right. So uh, they've grown up always knowing what the iPad or the iPhone and so on is. And they are used to a certain kind of user experience that many of the more mature organizations don't offer to their employees yet. So many of those em- employers are um, looking at their value proposition, looking at the things that millennials look for and seeing how far they can close the gap between what they offer and what a millennial is looking for. I think one offshoot from that is the gig economy, where um, the uh, employees or the employees that you're trying to attract are people who don't want a job. 
So, um, you know, the question used to be, how do I attract someone who wants to work in an organization, but not necessarily in my organization? So how do I make my organization more attractive? The question that uh, organizations now need to answer is, how do I employ someone who doesn't want a job? Right. Yeah. So there you think about uh, people working for a short period of time, project-based compensation or project-based hiring. And therefore, how do I pay them? But also, how do I ensure that they're covered for medical and uh, offer them the other benefits that my employees uh, typically um, are entitled to? The other, of course, is um, that um, the very formal, very staid culture of a traditional organization that worked well in the 70s, 80s and 90s uh, is giving way to a much less formal, but also uh, much more direct and much more relaxed type of working environment um, that many of our tech startups have or tech companies have perfected. So an organization um, that used to be in a non-tech environment and is now increasingly leveraging technology uh, to deliver the same services and products that it used to is saying, if I have to attract people with technology skills and if I have to attract uh, people who are used to working in a technology environment, what do I need to do to my value proposition to make it attractive to this population? Sure. Thank you, Zaitl, for all of those insights. Um, That brings us to the end of this episode of our podcast series, The Salary Hike Stories. Thank you. Thank you, listeners, for joining in. Hope you found this useful and insightful. If you liked it, do feel free to share it with your friends and colleagues. If you missed the previous episodes, do check them out on your favorite podcast application. My name is Anustab. Thank you and goodbye.